This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network. And in this network, we also have the Up and Running Podcast and the Illuminate Podcast. If you haven't checked out those shows yet, I highly encourage you to do so. This week on the Up and Running Podcast, there is an exciting series leading up to the Olympic trials where Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley, who are the co-hosts, are interviewing 10 athletes. So you're getting two episodes a day leading up to the trials this week over there on their feed. So make sure you go check it out, the Up and Running Podcast. And the Illuminate Podcast is a podcast I co-host with three of my friends, and we interview people who are illuminating the world around them, doing really good things in the world. I really wanted to host interviews that covered stories that maybe didn't revolve around running. I love this podcast because it's about running, but I wanted to look into interviewing people who were social entrepreneurs, people who had missions to help others in their own lives. And that's really what the Illuminate podcast is all about. Some of the episodes that you'll find over there include an episode with Dominique Smith, who talks about restorative practices in education. We've got an interview with the co-hosts of Pantsuit Politics with Sarah and Beth. They talk about grace-filled political conversations. We have a positive parenting episode where I interview Wendy Snyder, who is a positive parenting teacher and she schooled me on so many things and gave me some really tangible ideas of how I can redirect the way I am disciplining my children in a healthy, positive way. So make sure you also go check out the Illuminate podcast. All right, today on this podcast, I'm talking with Sally Kipiego. This is episode 228 and I'm talking with Sally Kipiego. If you are not following Sally's career. That is something that I highly encourage you to do. She is definitely one to be watching at the Olympic trials this coming weekend in Atlanta. She's got a great shot at making the team. If you don't know about Sally, Sally was born and raised in Kenya and she came to the United States for college running for Texas Tech where she won nine NCAA titles. And then she began her professional career with the Oregon Track Club where she's still now. She's sponsored by Nike. Uh, She trains over in Kenya. She's been training at 7,000 feet elevation for this race, but she also holds a world championships silver medal in the 10K from 2011 and a Olympic silver medal in the 10,000 meters for Kenya. She became an American citizen in 2017 and also gave birth to her daughter, Emma. That was right after she debuted the marathon in 228.01 in New York City, right behind Mary Katani and ahead of Molly Huddle. A little fact I didn't know until this episode, and you'll hear that <laughs> in my reaction. She was pregnant, and she didn't even know it when she ran that 228 to debut the marathon. Sally had some hard times coming back from pregnancy, and we'll talk all about that in this episode. And uh, one thing you should know, she raced Berlin this past fall and ran a 225.10, which was a three-minute PR, finishing seventh place. And she's had a really great training cycle coming off that race into the trials. So it's really exciting to see her coming back strong 
after having so much time to heal and recover from childbirth and other illnesses that caused her to just really slow down and take some time off. So I'm pumped to see Sally on the road to do some amazing things in Atlanta. And I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Sally Kipiego. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Sally Kipiego to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sally. Thank you for having me. I have had several requests to have you on, and I would just love to, first of all, hear how you're feeling going into the Olympic trials next week. Um, I am feeling pretty good. I am already in Atlanta, so that has been exciting. Um, I'm kind of, um, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I'm excited. Um, just I think it's a great opportunity to just go out there and run with the best in the world. So, yeah, I really look forward to that. I'm excited. I feel good about it, and I feel good. My body is good. So, yeah. Sally, I would love to kind of give everybody a little bit of an introduction to you in case they haven't been following your career. So can you kind of talk to us about growing up? Did you grow up in Kenya? Yes. Okay. That's true. When did you start running, and when did you kind of fall in love with the sport? All right. So, um that might be a long story, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I started running about, um, I'll say uh, around 13, 14, 15, around 15 years. So around that time, um, before, um, maybe a year before I got into high school, um, and it wasn't really about, and I know this is in Kenya, it's typical. All children run, basically. Running is just kind of part of what it is. You have games and you go running at, at four in the afternoon or in the morning at 10 in the, in the morning. So uh, running was just part of the of the culture. So it wasn't really about falling in love at that point. It was just kind of going and being part of the activity and enjoying it and then realizing that I was actually good at it. And so that was pretty much the beginning of my running and from there, I just got into the system and, and started really enjoying it because I was good at it. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are about to compete on a really big stage. At what point in time did you know you were going to come over to the United States to go to school and compete that way? Uh, so when I was in high school, so I, I actually, um, a sophomore in high school, I, I met the, the national team for Kenya for the, for the juniors um, cross country. So that was my first break. And, and so I was good um, that I made the team. And then, um, and then around my, as a senior in high school, I got injured. I had a stress fracture. Well, I didn't know that I had a stress fracture at the time, but down the road now I know it was a stress fracture but it was never really diagnosed but now I, I have experience with stress fractures I, I kind of know that that was the case and I just ran on it and made it worse and eventually stopped running all together and I was a teenager and so um you know I was going through growth spurt and you know gained a lot of weight and all that good stuff that happens when you're 16 17 yeah. you know and 18 and so um so we were I went through all that change and thought that oh maybe there was no chance for me to um to be to be a professional athlete again the way I intended to do so I figured oh I'll just concentrate on my studies and hopefully um someone mentioned scholarships and I thought oh that's a great opportunity maybe I'll go and study and, and so and just because of the background after high school 
um, a lot of coaches recruited me. A lot of American coaches came to Kenya or sent someone to Kenya and they were looking for good athletes that were good students. And just because of my history and the fact that I had done well before, even though I wasn't running at the time, uh, people were willing to give me a scholarship. So, um, so I would say coming to the U.S. was it was it was kind of after high school. That was the plan. So it was just because I it was kind of a backup plan. I know that's how it was, but it was a kind of a backup plan of well, I can't run professionally, so I can as well as go try to see if I can run and get a scholarship. Can you kind of paint a picture for us, those of us living in America, what life looked like growing up in Kenya and going to school? What was your family life like? Um, you know, I had a happy childhood. Um, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's, I, I, like, it, it is different because it's a different culture. It's a different society. Um, a lot of freedom, a lot of activity, a lot of um so going to school is a very um, casual affair, so to speak. Okay. And and um, there's a lot of activity and and uh, the, the studies are important, but but there's a lot of it's not regimented, so to speak. There's not it's 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 not as strict in my opinion. Um, very there's a lot of freedom and a lot of um, a lot of freedom in between classes and all that good stuff so growing up you go to school you get up in the morning around six ish you go to school around seven if you were upper classes which is from grade four to eight that's when you you are supposed to be in school so you kind of go in the morning and basically you walk to school and i was about i probably my school was about maybe anywhere between eight and ten kilometers um from where i eight to ten kilometers from where I lived and so and there's a bunch of us there were you know it's just you kind of I was probably one of the furthest kid <laughs> and so I would kind of pick up people along the way and by the time you get to school you have like a group of like 30 children coming in and you know and so um, that was pretty much typical uh, school days for us and then you'd go for lunch um, around 12 and you have an hour 15 minutes to go to lunch and come back and so because I lived really far away, I would always run because the time was just so short. So I would always run home and, and run back and maybe walk the last 20 minutes of, of the run back, you know. Um, How far was it? How far was the run? About, about 8K, maybe about okay. eight. So about five miles to maybe six miles. And you just ran every day? And I just ran every day. But it wasn't just me. It was everybody. Everybody mm. ran. Everybody ran. You you ran from when you were little to when you were older. And the older you got, you didn't really want to run. When you got to being a teenager, you just wanted to walk more. So you got up a little bit more earlier. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but that's typical. That was typical. Um, a, a lot of, um, in, you know, it wasn't. That's primary school. High school is a whole different story because mm -hmm. high school is, most high schools are boarding schools. So you, it's like college. You basically go away from your home for about three months and then you come back. Um, you do that three times a year. And so um, 
high school is most more like college in Kenya. But primary school is pretty much you go in the morning and come back in the evening. Yeah, it's just wild to think of, you know, my kids go to school across the street and it's like wild to think of sending my seven-year-old off to go run five miles just to get to school in the morning. It's... (laughs) It's such a, a wild difference than than how we live here in America. Um, it's so fascinating to me to hear about too. So you you come over to the U.S. and you run for Texas Tech and have a very successful career, winning nine NCAA titles, which is incredible. Um, and I find it so interesting and cool that you started your pro career at the Oregon Track Club and you're still with them now i mean that's 10 whole years so talk to us about making the decision to run with them thank you um so after college surprisingly um i had had a really good career in college but very few um um i didn't get as many offers as i thought i would coming out of college which was surprising to me um and and so the only people Few companies were interested, but the only people that really were interested that much were Nike. And so I automatically, because those were the people that were giving me the best deal on the table. And and so by by default, I I looked for a place that I could train running for Nike. Okay. And at the time, I wanted to be around people that were better than me. And um. I knew Laura, I knew of Laura Fleshman um, well, and uh, and I just and I looked through different um, um, groups, and that one just seemed to appeal to me. And I wanted to be around people that were successful and people that were doing their thing and doing it well. And I wanted to be part of a group because I knew that I needed to learn to be a professional athlete. I needed to learn from people that I had more experience than myself. Uh, I also looked at the coach that had experience in the field, and I thought Coach Roland was really good because he had won an Olympic medal uh, for the, for Great Britain. And so, I um, all those things kind of those things kind of contributed to my choice going to um, to Oregon and going to Eugene. And then um, the, what sealed the deal was I I went to Prefontaine Classic that year after college in June and if you've been to Oregon in June, July, you just think you're in heaven, especially mm. if you're coming from Texas. So <laughs> so so I was coming from a very dusty, um, dry, very hot um part of West Texas. And then I flew into Eugene. I thought, oh my God, this is beautiful. I wanna live here. So that was just, you know, that one kind of just seemed to do for me. So of course, um, ten years later, I, I can't believe it. I just thought I was going to be there for four years, <laughs> but then you know, you never say never because look at me, it's ten years down the road, and I am still there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild how quickly time passes. You mentioned Lauren Fleshman, and I would, you know, she's definitely a well-known advocate for women's running in this community in this space, and. Um, had a very successful career herself. I would love to hear if she, what you maybe learned from Lauren when you went and ran with the team. Well, I think um, just having an athlete and a woman that was really together and had her stuff together. She was married and, but was performing really well. And she had other ambitions and, 
um, just well exposed. Mm. For me, it was fantastic to watch that. And it, and it's, it's funny because I learned a lot of life lessons being in that group and just sitting back and kind of watching my teammates because we had people like Nick Simmons and in, in the team and, and we had some Brits like Gemma Simpson and all that. Good and so um, just watching when you have people that are achieving at a high level, but are not only athletes, but really good. And I am an opinionated woman. <laughs> so, 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 um, so I, I've, I'm always intrigued by people that speak their minds, people that are um, unapologetically, you know, strong-willed, and you can tell that, you know, and with people with personalities, and, and you know, and Lauren is sassy, and, and in the best way possible, you know, and so I love that about, I love that about her, and I think watching a woman that was all, a little bit older than myself, and, and seeing how she was handling herself, um, on the track, outside the track, ambitions she had, the goals she had, all the things. And then um, even now looking at what she's been able to achieve and what she continues to do and be able to speak on behalf of a lot of women, a lot of girls, I, I thought that was incredible. And um, and also we came from different backgrounds. And Laura and I had, oh, hours and hours of just conversations that I, 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 I don't mind talking. I'm a chatter. And so um, we would sit, we would go to these training camps. And I remember one summer we were in, in France, we went to Fulmore in, in France and, and we, we didn't have a lot to do anyway. So we spent a lot of time talking. And I remember those, those summers, they were fantastic because you kind of, you're speaking from very different uh, um, backgrounds. Because I was coming from a very different background. She was coming from a different background. And it was just so good to have those different perspectives in life. But such a good eye-opener. So um, it was just great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to also hear a little bit about, um, you know, you were competing for Kenya for quite a while. And, and you won some pretty big medals. And... I would love to kind of hear about that part of your career, 2011, 2012, when you win the silver medals in both the Olympics and the world championships. Can you talk to us about kind of transitioning from, from those successes to deciding, Hey, I think I want to be a marathoner. The winning those medals was just, it was kind of surprising to a lot of people. Especially in Kenya, because um, there's a saying, you know, there's a belief, almost a culture that you, if you if you want to be a really good athlete, the good athletes are not. They don't go to school. They mm. they don't have another career outside running in Kenya. That's such a strong belief. It's a culture. Maybe it is no longer there. But when I was running at that time, around that time, there, a lot of people were shocked at that. I had, I'd come to the U.S., gone to college, graduated college, and then went back and still made the team because that is one of the most difficult teams to make in the world. Yeah. And so just just doing that and knowing that. So it was kind of, I think people were not kind of ready for that kind of an athlete. And and for me, it just kind of it, it um, validated the fact that I had these dreams and validated the fact that I, I wanted 
that I, I believe that I could do other things and still be successful as an athlete. I could still go to school. I could still graduate. I could still go through a regular college life and still come out of it and still be successful. And I could still train in America and go back to Kenya and still make the team that, that was considered the most difficult team to make in the world. One of the most difficult teams to make in the world. So that was an eye opener um, to a lot of people, I think. And, and, but I also think it kind of shifted and it was a good thing because it, 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 told, it told of a story of possibilities. That is what it, it did. It, it opened ways. And after that, people, athletes have come out to, to the U.S. and they've, they've gone to college, graduated, got their, whatever they, they've studied, got their degrees, and then they've gone back to make teams and world teams and Olympic teams and going to be fantastic professional athletes. And I think that was just um, such, a, such a good thing. Uh, and then at that, for, for me, for that experience, it was just um, a good uh, confidence boost to know that I can do that and I was able to do that. And it was a great time for growth and developing and being around. And when I met the Kenyan team, um, I got a chance to be around great athletes, athletes that I've admired for years, athletes that were doing fantastic, wonderful things in their lives and in their running careers. And to be around that, you know, kind of spills over and it changes your mindset. It, it, makes you, it, makes, it, it makes you elevate your own game. And so that was a great thing. And then um, after, after that, I've always, like I've always said about being American, I've always said all along, I always knew I wanted to be American. Even when I came here, I thought if the opportunity ever presented itself, I wanted to be an American. And so that had nothing to do with, it had very little to do with running. Mm. If I could still, I, I would still want to be an American, whether I ran or not. I had come to America and the first season I couldn't run, I got injured, forbid, or whatever happened. I still wanted to be American. That would have never changed the trajectory of being an American. Or not. And so um, it just happened that I got, I waited and when, when the time was right, when I was able to um, be eligible to be an American, it was, it was, it was just common sense. That, that was just it never, it was never, there was never a question about it to be an American. And in return, and I feel like for me, choosing to run for America um, is a way of me showing my gratitude. I think this country has afforded myself, my family, and a lot of people in my life, um, just great opportunities. The things that have happened in my life has ha have happened because I was in America. And I, I don't know, I couldn't speak if I was somewhere else, but I'm speaking as what has happened to me in this country. And so in a way, I, I always knew that I wanted to represent this country, this great nation, and I just want to, to represent it, represent it well, and you know, um, show my gratitude more than anything for, for, all the, for all the privileges and all the opportunities that this country has afforded uh, my family and I. Wow, that is so inspiring to hear. And I wonder, what does being an American mean to you? And when you came to this country, did you realize how pulled to it you would actually be? Um, I, I don't think I realized it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think I realized it, but but for me, being an American, it just is um, is opportunities. Yeah, it is. It is the it's the it's the privilege that a lot of I don't I think um, it, it's just privileges that otherwise a lot of people in other places in the world that don't get to experience, you know. And I just think that. Um, a lot of opportunities, and if you work hard, you can go far, you know. And hard work is kind of is rewarded, you know. And um, and I think those opportunities they change lives, you know, because because you you could you could be in a place and the systems are not put together in a way that rewards hard work. You could still work really hard in another part of the world and still not see your food, so to speak. And so I feel that um, America has a way of, at least for my family and I, we feel that America has kind of given us opportunities that otherwise we cannot have enjoyed. And, and th- those are privileges, and you don't take those for granted. because. And I always tell people, I was born in Kenya, but I chose to be an American. Mm-hmm. That was by choice. When did you meet your husband? We met at Texas. Well, funny story. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a funny story, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so we we met. It's funny, but we met in Kenya. Okay. In, so I was coming. I was going for my. Um, I was going to the embassy, and he was going to the embassy to the U.S. embassy to to come to U.S. for for school, and so. We found ourselves in this family in, in the same house <laughs> because one family was hosting a bunch of students oh, that were going wow. to college. They were trying to get visas to come to America. And so Kevin was there. His name is Kevin, by the way. My husband's name is Kevin. And so Kevin was there and I was there. And so that is where we met. But we were strangers. We were complete strangers. And, and so that was our first meeting. And then we all came to America different times. I went to get my visa two days before he did, and then he got his visa. And funny enough, we all came to Texas. I went to South Plains College for three semesters. And then he went to Texas like, straight away because he had already gone to college in Kenya. And so he transferred from college in Kenya to, to Texas Tech. And so that is where we met in you know, we started dating a Texas Tech and, you know, one thing led to another and now we're married with that baby. <laughs> uh, what what year did you guys get married? We got married in 2009. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. one of the things I definitely want to dive into is the birth of your daughter and coming back from running or to running because I know that you had some significant challenges um, during that time and I, I just... I know there's a lot of moms listening to this podcast, whether they're professional or not, regardless, like childbirth is a pretty extreme experience sometimes. So let's talk about that. You ran the New York City Marathon uh, in 2016 and debuted in 228, uh, sandwiched between none other than Mary Catani and Molly Huddle. So uh, finishing second in your debut marathon at a major is a really big deal. So congratulations there. Thank you. And then the following year, you have a baby. So that's like two really significant life events uh, within two years. So can you kind of share with us a little bit about the experience of 
of deciding to do that marathon and then deciding, okay, in my professional career, is this the time I want to pursue having a family? Maybe it wasn't planned. Talk about that a little bit. And just to add into the dramatic of 2017, I also became a citizen the same year. So three years yes. <laughs> but, but anyway, so um, in 2016, I wanted to go to the Olympics, the Rio Olympics, which didn't happen. I went to Kenya and I ran the 10K in Adam horrible day basically and didn't make the team so after that i knew that we were going to run the new york um marathon and so all all my plans were shifted and all it was was running the new york marathon but after my husband and i had already talked about having a family and so this was definitely a planned baby (laughs) and um (laughs) But and and so leading up to the to the, the marathon, people always say, "Oh, you know, when you're training really hard, you know, pregnancy is kind of difficult to happen and all that good stuff." So I thought, "Oh, we can give ourselves a head start, so just <laughs> you know, see what happens." And funny enough, I got pregnant. And so by the time I was running New York Marathon, I was almost close to about two months. Wait, you were like, pregnant oh, when you ran yes, the two twenty eight? Yes. What? I, I was about maybe about six, seven weeks pregnant. Oh uh, my so, gosh! Do people know that? Uh, I mentioned it somewhere, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's intense. So I just I I was so fit. I was the leanest I've ever been when I you know in my adult life. So I really didn't think that I was gonna get pregnant. <laughs> so and voila you know it's magical the body is magical it just happens and so it happened and 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 um, I didn't know that I was pregnant and I intentionally did test because I didn't want to have I didn't want to second guess my I didn't Mm. want to go to the race thinking that okay I'm carrying a baby or run slow you know if you feel something you might want to stop you know all that kind of stuff so I didn't want to second guess things in the race so I talked to my best friend um leading up to me and I said well I don't know if I'm pregnant but I don't you know I don't want to I don't know what to do and she told me don't test don't (laughs) test don't don't take pregnancy test because it's gonna mess up with your head just go and run so I went and ran and, and sure enough afterwards you know we found out that I was pregnant and all that stuff. uh we were pregnant and and so and then um and I and I thought you know how a lot of women and uh, for example I've, I've seen women done incredible things after pregnancy and so all along I just thought that I was gonna I was going to be one of those women so my intentions was to get you know have a baby and come back and run you know do my thing but then when I started running, I was jo- I was running about five miles, eight miles. But when I got to about uh, 14 weeks or 15 weeks, I started having really bad cramps. And so I was cramping up a lot after runs. And I brought it down to five miles to four miles. And I would cramp up for about maybe two hours after every run. And I would spend two hours freaking out with my feet elevated drinking orange juice. I don't know. I'm, I, blend, I blend the internet. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I was just, I was terrified. Every time I finished my run, I would cramp up and I was, and I always thought, oh, what is happening? You know, why am I cramping up the way I am? And, um, and because I, 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 I am a fast mom, you know, first time mom, I didn't know what to expect. And eventually around 16, 17 weeks, I decided to stop running altogether because 
the stress that the crapping would induce and the stress of, of whatever was happening in my body and just it, it, it wasn't worth it and I and I and I thought this is not worth it. it you know forget about the running so I stopped running altogether and I started walking and I kept walking so that was my form of exercise uh throughout my pregnancy and I you know I enjoyed that that was a wonderful time and I had an easy pregnancy to be honest with you it's, it's fantastic and I and I loved every bit of it and so I thought oh you know what I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this and you know have a baby and, and come back and I should be fine um but then come Delivery day, I had her in a difficult level, shockingly. <laughs> my, my doctor said, oh, this is easy, you know, you, you're ready to go. Everything is looking good. Um, you shouldn't have issues because everything has been fantastic up to this point. Um, I, I, I went into labor four days or three days before my due date. So it was fantastic. Everything was just going put into plan. And and then I, 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 I went into labor for about 17 hours. And and it wasn't easy. It was just it was it was difficult. And of course, um, I don't know who, who came up with this, but anyway, I wanted to do this all natural <laughs> myself. And uh, let me tell you, next time this is happening, I am sure going to go for that epidural right away. <laughs> I <laughs> I am not messing with that anymore. But anyways, I, I decided I wanted to do all this natural. My husband thought I was crazy, and I thought, oh, my mother did this, and my grandmother did uh-huh. this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, all the women before me have done this, so of course, and I ran marathons. Come on, <laughs> I, I can do this, and I was all good, and I was, I was fantastic, and I did it. But it just I had a difficult labor and things didn't go the way it was supposed to go and I didn't progress the way it was supposed to go and everything, a lot of things happened in a way to make the story short and eventually I ended up having an emergency C-section, C-section after a really long stretch of just a difficult labor and so um, and a difficult labor and delivery and eventually, you know, it happened and, um, but happily, you know, our daughter Emma was born, um, and healthy baby, so we were over the moon. And um, yeah, but then things just, and I, and and, but then when I came back to, and, and so I took my time, didn't really rush by any means, and you know, with an African heritage, you just take your time. Like having babies is a big deal; you just take your time, and they want to feed you for all year, which was not going to happen in my house. So. <laughs> Were you here or I, were you over in Kenya? I am. I was here. I okay. was in Oregon. And so, so it was my husband. So, um, but anyway, so yeah. I, I took about three months, about four months of really nothing. And, and I started walking more. I started walking a few weeks afterwards anyway, but I started, I started jogging about three weeks, uh, about three months after, four months afterwards. And I started actually running about maybe five months. I committed into somewhat training i wouldn't even say you know as best as i could and so i thought things were gonna happen and just my body resisted i don't know any other way to describe it the best way to describe it but my body just resisted everything that happened every time i wanted to every time i ran i i felt like my body was falling apart i would train for about two two weeks and i'd have exhaustion and fatigue and um, and I would get sick. My immune system was terrible, and 
Oh, it was just awful. That first year was terrible for me. And so to be, I, I just, I wasn't expecting it. I, was, I don't think I was emotionally prepared for that kind of difficulty. And I learned a lot about myself um, at that time because it was a difficult time for me. For, for me and also for the people that are close, my family, my husband, it was, it was difficult, yeah. Hey friends, a quick break to let you know that when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you directly support this podcast. So thank you so much if you've supported sponsors in the past and if you are thinking about doing so. Two sponsors I want to give a shout out to this episode are Lily Trotters. They are my favorite compression socks. You can get 25% off your order of any full priced items when you go to lilytrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. They've been a supporter of this podcast for a long time, and I'm super thankful for that. Another sponsor that I want to give a shout out to is Defunctify. This is a laundry detergent that is safe to use, and it will leave your clothes smelling really good. They also have stain remover. You can go to defunctify.com and use the code ANOTHER for 25% off your first order with them. I just got a bunch of marker out of my couch, and that was thanks to Defunctify. All right, two more ways you can support this podcast. First of all, you're already supporting it by listening to it, so thank you. Two other ways, though. You can leave a rating and review. You probably hear podcast hosts ask about this all the time. Well, it's really important, and I'm still striving to get ratings and reviews every single week. So if you haven't done that yet, if you could take a minute, open up your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and review, that would be super helpful. It helps new listeners find the show. And then if you really love the show, if you really want to support the show, I have a Patreon page where you can support my work over there. If you go to patreon.com slash you'll find my page where you can find access to dozens of bonus episodes that I've recorded over there. I just recorded an episode with Julie Stackhouse. She was my guest from last week and she came back to talk all about coaching and strategies she implements with her own athletes. And it was a really fun episode. We talked for almost a whole hour. So again, that's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right. Thanks everybody who's supporting the show in any way, shape or form. I appreciate each and every one of you so very much. All right, friends. And I do want to let you know this Thursday, I'm really excited to be interviewing the men's and women's team from NAZ Elite who will be competing to make the Olympic team in the marathon this weekend in Atlanta. So you'll get an episode with both the men's and women's team this Friday on my feed. And then the other thing is I have hired a videographer to come out with me and he's going to be videotaping the entire conversation. And that's going to be on my YouTube and also Instagram. So in the show notes to this, I'm going to put a link to my YouTube channel and then a link to my Instagram so that you can make sure you're following those over there because you can actually see the video of these interviews that I'm really excited about. Let's continue my conversation with Sally Capiego. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how different everybody everybody's body reacts to having a baby and trying to get back into training. I wonder, did you have any pressure, like sponsor pressure during that time? No. No, and I and I I, I didn't. Um, when I told my um, when I told my my sponsor um, that I was expecting a child, um, they say, and I and I quote, um, "Go, do your thing. 
Um, and when you are done, we'll come and revisit and see what, you know, just go do your family thing and have your baby. Congratulations. And let us know when, you know, n nothing was said about when you need to run. And even for me coming back, it was all about me. It was, it was about, I wanted to compete because I am a competitor and I'm an athlete at, at that point. So I, 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 no one at any point pushed me to actually compete. I just wanted to be ready. I wanted to run because that is what I wanted to do. But I didn't get any pressure. My, my, um, my sponsors didn't push me. They didn't ask me um, when I was going to race. And after about a year, I remember I, in 2018, was it 2018, 2019 actually. So I'd had the whole of 2018 and I struggled. I ran one race in 2018. Um, and then in 2019, I went to USANAF and I ran 72 flat Americans, struggled with time. And I went to Portland, I met with Nike and met with someone at, at Nike, uh, one of my losers, and, and, they, and they asked me how I was doing. And they just wanted to make sure that I was okay. And they told me, no pressure. You, we know that if you, when you get ready, you will get ready and you'll be fine. We just want to make sure that we're on the same page, that you still have, you still want to compete and you still want to, to run well, that you're not, you know, that you're not kind of slugging and taking your time, your suit time. And at no point did they ever tell me that you have to run and you have to run this time and you have to do this. No, it didn't happen. So for me, they, they really, I, I feel that they, they supported me 100%. Well, that's awesome. That's really, really good to hear. That's that's a really good story. I think that people will be really happy to hear that you had that positive experience. I'm so happy to hear that myself. And I, and I, and I knew that that was a possibility. I knew there was a possibility that, you know, that you could get pushed and you could be asked to run and you're ready and all that good stuff. But to me, personally, I didn't experience that. Yeah. I wanted to run because it was me. I was never pushed to, to run. I was never asked when I was going to run. I was never asked that I needed to run and perform at a certain point. I was never asked that. I was just asked to make sure that I was told to commit that I was training and I was getting ready for the big day, which is these trials, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. I don't want to glaze over this, and I have it in my notes, that <laughs> you had malaria at, at some point in this time frame. Is that true? Not this time frame. Oh, yeah, like um, in 20... What, 2018? Yes. When I was, I, I was going to run the New York Marathon that fall and um, 20, yeah, it was 2018. Yeah, fall of 2018. Yeah. So that was my, my objective. I, I wanted to run. Um, and I, I thought, um, but I got, so during the training, like I said, my immune system was so terrible because I would, I would train for about a month and I would get sick. And at one time I got really bad malaria and I got pneumonia. I got diagnosed with pneumonia. So it was just a bad period for me my body was falling apart um physically but i was i was also getting sick so i i i don't know different bodies act differently and they say different children also can cause different things to happen to your body but for me it was such a difficult and i hope that in the future when i try to have another child you know, hopefully it's not as bad but yeah <laughs> but, but it was just my was it was falling apart in, in ways that I didn't even realize it because I've never I've had injuries before and I've had you know I've had 
to come back from an injury or a terrible injury before, but not like this. This was different. It was just like my body was not holding up the way it was supposed to. And I guess with pregnancy and childbirth, all those things happened. But for me, it just felt like my entire body was working down and falling apart every time I tried to put together an extended period of training. So, yeah, so malaria was part of that. I got diagnosed with malaria, really bad malaria. I lost so much weight. You could have thought, oh, I lost so much weight in the span of a week. Oh, it was ridiculous. Wow. I, couldn't, I couldn't even, I was I was barely walking. It was a terrible time. And uh, I was still breastfeeding my daughter. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, oh, great Lord. But um, <laughs> the stories. But anyway, yeah. How did you come back from that? I don't know. I'm not familiar with the like how long when you have malaria you're actually sick for and I'm sure it's different for different people but um can be a life-threatening disease right it can be but it's very common in Kenya malaria is very common in Kenya um but if you get they they have medications you know you have four doses of really intense you know medications and so it's supposed to take care of it and malaria takes about maybe a week maybe two weeks at most, it doesn't even get to two, maybe a week and a half. But what it does is it really destabilizes your body it, 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 because you get really weak muscles and you get, you get dizzy and, um, and, and so all that kind of stuff. So after malaria, you have headaches that last for weeks. And I would be dizzy, like after that malaria, I was fine. But every time I ran, I would be dizzy. I felt like I was falling. Every time I ran, and I would have headaches for for weeks after that. So it's not really the, the disease at that point. It's not it's not that one and a half weeks. It's the it's the effects that happens after that because you get really weak muscles and coming back, you um your muscles are really weak and you have these headaches and you have um and you have a lot of dizziness and all that stuff. So um, it is the afterward. It's the it's the effects afterwards. Okay, yeah, lingering effects. Well, I am so pumped for you because, man, you've had a trying few years. And it sounds like 2019, you were finally able to kind of get back from this childbirth thing and these, these, um, this weakness, you know, the malaria and, and the after effects of having a baby. I mean, it's just everybody's story is so unique and so different. And unless you're following it closely, you don't really know what someone's going through postpartum, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tricky because, um, well, I most of us, when we are def- struggling with our things in our lives, we kind of tend to hide away. We run away to a corner and we hide away and we kind of sort ourselves that side and so a lot of things will be going on behind the scene and that's why they say you know be kind to people because you really don't know what, what's going on behind the scenes and um and that and and but you know um but the human body and the human mind and the human spirit is one amazing thing like they it's incredible what we are capable of doing it's incredible the things that we're capable of coming back from and um, there's so many times that I felt like, oh, you know, I well, just forget this. I have some medals from an Olympic and World Championship. I could just throw the towel and just walk away. This is too painful. Mm. It's just, 
you know, and I had those moments. I had I had to psych myself. I had the workouts that I'd cheer myself. I would I would basically be the cheerleader to a point where I, I actually spoke like loud and people would look at me like, okay, she's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of just needed a little bit of motivation, you know, psych myself up for things because uh, when you've been running, and, and you better remember that I've, I've ran at a really high level and really performed really well, and so, and been smooth and efficient and fast, and you know, things are effortless. And when you're fit, oh man, you understand, you just, you don't even realize how, what a privilege that is until you really struggle, and you're like, oh my God, I could take a quarter at fitness right now um and so um it's just be kind to people and realize that we all go through different things and we all struggle in different ways but we are also strong and all those things make us stronger make us appreciate our journeys and other people's journeys and we get to respect people more you respect other people that have come before you because then you realize that you never really know you know it's not as easy sometimes as it is put out there to be and just being mindful of that and realizing that sometimes even it's a privilege to just the people that can't even run outside and they can't they can't do the things they want to do because of one or two three things you know and and sometimes with, with even running during your maternity leave or when you, you you're pregnant uh, and I always took that for granted because I saw women running like expecting like and all that and I thought oh that'll be me you know I don't have any issues I don't have any health issues i will be fine i'm american I'm a, you know I'm, a, I'm an elite athlete i should be able to do this but shockingly sometimes the body doesn't agree with that sometimes the body doesn't even allow you to do that and then so you realize that even though there's sometimes the world says oh do this and do that and you you should be able to do this go to the gym and do that sometimes the body doesn't allow you to do that and we should we should allow women specifically in that period of their lives to do whatever their bodies allows them to do, whatever they want to do. Because like I say, I, I, I couldn't run and not because of laziness or anything like that, because of, because the, the amount of stress that I was going through wasn't worth it. So um, I think it's really important that sometimes when, when women are expecting or people are not able to do those kind of things or people are injured and all that good stuff, or people are lack of motivation to do these kind of things, that we should always have environments and spaces for people to live their lives that way and to be able to be allowed even to do that and, and at some point even I felt that I was kind of failing because how dare you know run while all other these other women there's a movement now that you run while you're pregnant you were kind of failing in a way because you mm. can't even run you can't even exercise while pregnant and I and I almost and I, I didn't that didn't sit well with me because I felt like well um that there are other people that can do those things. And I was one of those women. And my journey is just as important as anyone that could be able to, to exercise or do that. It's still special. It's still a wonderful period of their time. It's still a, a wonderful time to experience childbirth and to, to experience pregnancy and all that good stuff. So, yeah. And I'm probably going with, you know, out there anyways. No. I, <laughs> I just it's thought a- that was something to really mention because I, I experienced that. Yeah, it's an it's an important conversation because even at the level of just the everyday runner, it's it's very common to look at another woman who is running through their pregnancy and think why can't I do that and feel bad about yourself because 
your body's just not adapting the way someone else's body is. And it's just a really important message to share with women. Like, hey, like no one body is going to go through pregnancy the same way. And if you have to stop running six weeks in or 20 weeks in or whatever week it is, that's okay. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sally, I am excited because... You know, in Berlin this fall, you placed seventh running a 225.10, which was a three-minute PR. But here's what's exciting about that. It's like you ran that this fall, and now you've given you've had this – and it was an early fall one. So you, now you have this time to, like, get some recovery in and build that base back up and really train for the trials, building off that last training cycle. So – Talk to us about how you're feeling training. You know, you've been training at 7,000 feet elevation in Kenya. So how are you feeling coming off of that marathon and training cycle? Um, the most confident I've felt in a marathon training block, um, period. Like I just coming back from Berlin and going into Berlin, I, I wanted to run to 24. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was on pace to do that the whole time. And, and so, um, like, I think I got caught up with a few guys that were running, and I think the pace slipped down, you know, slipped away from the pace and kind of got slow a little bit. But just those few, few seconds, it doesn't really matter. So the objective was complete um, and done. And so um, coming off of that, I knew that I was in a good place. Uh, more importantly, I was healthy. Which is, which is really important because marathon kind of tends to break you down. And so um, going into um, these, these trials, I'm, I'm really excited. I am excited. And I've been able to put together, which is something that I haven't done in a few years. So I have been, I've been able to put together months, three months of really quality marathon training at, at 7,000. So I, I feel ready. I feel fit. Uh, I am just I, I think I think I'm on the other side of, of this school. So I I, mm. I think uh, I think it's uh, I'm, I'm in a good place. I, I really um, think I've done good stuff going into these these trials, and I um, you know hopefully the day just turns out to be fantastic, and hopefully the work that I've been putting uh, will be able to be displayed on, on 29th. Yeah. Yeah. What would it mean for you to make? an American Olympic team? Oh, just, oh, I can't put that into words, to be honest with you. Just, just, uh, oh, it would be an honor. It would be an honor, simply put it, just, it would be an honor to just make the team. And, um, like I said, um, I, I always want to, if I am going to represent America, then I want to represent America in the best possible way. And making, if making that Olympic team is, 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 it would be an honor. Because I, I understand that it is not easy, especially um, it's not easy. Look at look at the women that I'm I'm going to be running against in, in in a few days. It's just an incredible feel, and to be able to run among great athletes like that, and to be able to make that team, would not be easy. Which makes which makes it even a greater achievement, so to speak. So I really look forward to that. I can't I can't wait. Yeah, you know, because you mentioned earlier, you know, making the Kenyan team is one of the hardest teams in the world to make, which it is. But man, this year for 2020, it's arguably the toughest Americans women marathon team in the U.S. to ever make, right? Probably, probably, yeah. It's that field is so deep. Have you trained with, raced with, become friends with a lot of the women in the field? Yes, I have. I believe I've trained with, let me see, 
Mm. Oh, I have to. Oh, no. All right. Well, I have raised. <laughs> I have raised. I've roomed. I have, you know, I'm friends with some women and a lot of the women. And um, Molly comes to mind for me. Like, we've, Molly and I have raised against each other forever. <laughs> we've raced from college all the way to professional, to the track, to the road. And now in the marathon, we try to make the same team. It's incredible. And I know how well. And so, um, a lot of those women are women I respect a lot of, I respect and, and look up to and have done incredible things. And it's just to be part of that and to be um, among that kind of group of women is just an incredible thing, you know, um, and a privilege, yeah. Yeah. Who was it that you said you trained with in college or that you raced with in co- all the way back to college? Molly, Molly Haddo. Oh, Molly. Molly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I was uh, thinking back to that uh, New York race when you yeah. placed second. I mean, was that that had to be a cool feeling to place like in between Molly and Mary, you know, a fellow Kenyan and then Molly, a fellow American. It's like <laughs> that's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Because at that time, you, you know, it's just but it's, Molly and I have run so many races together. It's just it's incredible, but it, um, I think just to be among really great women is is a privilege. I think very few people get to be among such great talent and such great people. And so I think for me, um, it's just, it's an honor, to be honest. And, and this year, there's a lot of great women running. Just incredible talent, incredible athletes, incredible, you know, wonderful people. And so I think... Um, it's definitely, it's not, it's going to be something. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that people that are going to be going to Tokyo, just, yeah. <laughs> are you, um, you, I know you've been training in Kenya. You guys are already um, here and you're in Atlanta. Um, how do you feel about the course specifically in Atlanta? Well, I haven't, um, yes, we are in, in Atlanta at the moment, but we, I haven't really seen the course. I don't think I will see the course, maybe parts of it on a drive or whatnot, but I don't intend on, on I, I know the course on paper. I, I know the course. I've seen the course several times on paper. I've, I've studied the course. Um, I think the best athletes are going to emerge at the top because it's a difficult course. I think the course is really difficult. And I think courses like that tend to bring the best athletes. Um, and I think the best athletes, you have to be really good. And you have to be a really strong athlete to, to perform in that kind of a course because it's not... It's not an easy course. A flat course, you know, most people can 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 run a flat course, but hilly course, a rolling course, that's a difficult that's a difficult one. So I think the best athletes will come on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so excited to cheer for you. Um, do you have time for a couple end of the podcast questions, and I can let you get back yes. to your your sweet yep. family? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, Sally, what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, professionally. Um, I, I think professionally I would like to win, if not an Olympic gold, then win a major marathon. Mm. Personally, I really, there are things that I really want to do. One, I want to start a charity, but... Um, I, I feel like I've been postponing it forever, <laughs> just waiting for the right time. But mm-hmm. personally, that is something that I really want to do uh, down the road. And uh, yeah, what kind of charity? Um, so I 
an elf-related charity, so in the elf care. So I'm trying to see, um, so the charity would be something to help with um, medical bills and um, medical expenses for families that are not able to afford or able to cover their medical expenses or things like that, life-changing um, procedures and surgeries, and um, and specifically in Kenya, because sometimes I, I, I live up uh, and I, I spent a lot of time in Kenya, and I've, I've, I grew up there, and I realized that a lot of a lot of people sometimes uh, spend a lot of time in, in the hospital or are not even able to get medical um, services just because they cannot afford it. Um, and I think sometimes, uh, and I, um, there's a lot of charities that help with education and and things like that. And sometimes I feel that um, we can, a lot of people can use uh, medical. Um, forgiveness, so to speak, uh, in terms of, of medical expenses, and um, so if if there was if there was a charity out there that could help people out with with life changing um, or life life saving procedures, then I think it would be neat to save a life or to even extend one or teach to enhance one's one's life one way or another uh, through support. So that is really where I'm going with this one. Yeah. Well, when you decide to do that, you <laughs> let me know and come back on so we can tell everybody all about it. Fantastic. Um, yes. Well, what's a nonprofit you like to support now before your before your own gets started? So, so this is the thing. I I don't have a specific. Well, I work with Shoe for Africa, which is which is a non uh, an organization an NGO that is based in New York, but operate a lot in Kenya and um, they, they, they help with schools and they help with um, um, awareness, health awareness, and they, they build a children's hospital in Kenya and they subsidize the medical, um, they, they subsidize their services that way families that cannot afford can go to this uh, clinic and this hospital and there their children can be treated for almost free, you know, little money there. And, and so I, I kind of support that charity at the moment. Um, but I also, I am a great believer in just um, offering your help whenever and whatever. So not specifically one charity, so to speak. I like to, if I go to a place and I see something, someone in need, um, for example, in Kenya, people would, some, some people, some families cannot afford to pay for their school, for, for their kids to go to high school or to go to primary school or whatever. And if I feel that that is something that I can help, then I tend to do those kind of things, mm. you know. And and I and I, I and I do that. So um, and so I, I like that. I like that kind of um, charity where uh, the organized charity is fantastic. But sometimes you can go to a place and just look at a situation and. Your, breaks your heart sometimes and when you can help then you do that you help you know that's a really fresh perspective on that that's that's a really healthy way of looking at it and I I think that's going to inspire some people to to do some good today well thank you I hope they do yeah all right <laughs> I love that so much um if you could have coffee cocktail or tea with someone fun motivating or inspiring who would it be Michelle Obama. <laughs> that um, answer. I just had the, my last guest just said the same answer. I love it. Uh, okay, go on. I I love 
I love everything that she represents. I, I love everything that she represents. I think she's um, an incredible person, but also the way she's handled herself. I think um, most people, um, I think character is seen, is, is more character is, is revealed when, when people are thrust into a stage, um, a big stage, the way she, she's been. And I think she's been amazing in the way she's handled a life in the public eye. I, I read a book and made me even admire her more, mm-hmm. um, the way she's been able to handle a role as a wife, but also a role as a, as a walking mom, a role as a mother, and, and a role as a first lady. It's just incredible. I, I love everything about her. It would just be fantastic even to just say hi to her. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, so, yep, that's, that's my... Um, it would be great. It would be fantastic. It's one person that I, it's somebody I really admire. Yeah. Maybe if you win the Olympic gold, you'll definitely be able to. Maybe. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That would be fantastic. Fingers crossed. See, another motivation. I am there extra motivated. There we go. There we go. If you win the Olympic gold, um, we could maybe rally for that. I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Sally, what's the best, most recent book you've read? What did I read the last one? Uh, the Bluest Eye um, by Toni Morrison. Um, yep, yeah, that was my last book. The big one, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big one. I really should have thought about these more. <laughs> There's no wrong answer. Your answer about your answer about nonprofits was like, you know, good enough so, for this. The, the one thing I would I would talk to I would tell I, I would send to the world. I and it's not necessarily I don't know the world, but the people. <laughs> I don't know the world. The world seems big. It's a lot. I would the world seems really big. Um I would say one message I would say, I think the world has a way of telling, telling us that we are, that we are somehow not enough. I think that message without ever saying it straight away, I think there is a way that the world is, I don't know who started this narrative about people not being enough. I think the message should be always that you are enough, that you are already created with everything that you need to be successful in whatever you do, um, that you, that each and every one of us is unique and we should stay unique that way, that we are never replicas of other people. And that, um, that you know, like, y- y- just be 100% yourself, be 100% because you are an original, you know, there's no, and there's no other version of you. And so um, that you're enough, that everything you ever need, and I tell this to myself also, that everything I will ever need to be my, to live my full potential, I already have it within me. I was already created with all that in me. I just have to remind myself. There might be tools out there, but everything I need is already in me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. Will you be telling yourself that next weekend? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. Sally, I it's an honor to have been able to interview you for the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I might have talked to my staff. No, <laughs> you are wonderful. I 
I am going to be in Atlanta um, for the trials, cheering you on. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. I will say hello, and um, I'm going to shoot you an email because um, maybe we can grab a post-race interview. That is fantastic. I would love that. Oh, I would love that too. All right, Sally, well, rest up. Um, I hope that you can get out on that course and it feels good, and um, I'll flag you down uh, next oh. weekend. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. That was wonderful. Best of luck. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. Thanks, Sally, for coming on the show. We are rooting for you. We are so excited for you. You can find Sally on Instagram. She is Sally Kip Yego, K-I-P-Y-E-G-O. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a group over there as well, which is a really great way to connect with the community that is part of this podcast. Don't forget, check out Lily Trotters, lilytrotters.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 25% off any full price items. And check out Defunctify, my favorite laundry detergent. Go to defunctify.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 25% off your first order. All right, friends. In Atlanta this weekend, Friday at 3 p.m., I'm having a meet up with a handful of my friends and that is at New Realm Brewery this Friday, 3 p.m. Check it out. Show up, say hello. I'd love to give you a hug and see you there. And then this Friday, you will hear an episode with the men's and women's team from NAZ Elite. I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be interviewing them on Thursday in a private setting. And then those interviews and a video, I'm taking video as well, will be out uh, this Friday. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed so you see it. All right. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.